Welcome to the STC Fit Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Louise, and my co-host is Nat Jurek. This is a podcast for high-achieving women who train and want to get lean, strong, and feel confident AF, both inside and out. Together with our team of STC Fit Coaches, we've taken thousands of clients from body insecurity stemming from a lack of results, uncertainty over what to do, and fear of weight gain to body confidence built on a foundation of results and certainty in the process. On this podcast, you'll get discussions on mindset, nutrition, programming, training, and lifestyle with the intent of cutting through the BS and providing you with the information you need to accelerate your pathway to body confidence. guys welcome everyone to this week's stc fit learning podcast i'm amy louise your host and i have with me my wifey and co-host nat jurek natty how are you good how are you going yeah pretty good not too cold today which is awesome yeah i'm not in the same suburb <laughs> you have your heater on <laughs> um, that's melbourne but, for you yeah. <laughs> Uh, on today's show, we're super excited to have who you guys might know as Kayla Lee, physio off the Instawebs, uh, to chat with us all about female-specific training considerations and nutrition considerations when it comes to physique and strength performance outcomes. So welcome, Kayla. Thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> um, we were just talking a little bit before about your nomadic travels. So just to kick us off, if you want to yep. run us through like where you are now and where you're going to be soon and what's happening. Yeah, so currently in Sydney, Australia. So I'm, I'm originally from Sydney, uh, but my partner's Canadian. So uh, all during lockdown, we've spent in Sydney and you know it's obviously not the worst part of the world to be locked down in um, but yeah I've um, recently got a travel exemption to get back to Canada so we're going to be traveling back to Canada next week um, and sort of setting up there I suppose to settle down for a bit because the last the last year or so and even longer for Jordan we've been um, just traveling the world and and um, you know, working online and, and presenting seminars it's at different gyms all around the world to sort of upskill personal trainers and do some um, education on biomechanics and yeah. Has the travel all been related to presenting seminars or education based or has it been holidaying and leisure as well? Um, I mean... Our life kind of is like a holiday in that regard. But yeah, like the travel schedule is based around um, the work schedule, the the seminar schedule. Uh, but if we get like some time off or if there's like a little bit of a gap between, then we'll um, spend some time like checking out some cool places and things like that. Like, for example, we were in at the start of the year, we were in... Um, we did Hong Kong, Singapore, and neither of us had been to any of those places and Jordan had never even been to an Asian country. So, you know, we did a little bit of um, exploring around there and uh, we were back in, we were in Canada in, I think it was February, March. And like, we had a seminar in Calgary and it's about two hours from Banff. So we made the two hour drive and, and did a bit of skiing on the, the snow fields in Banff, which was pretty awesome. So 
yeah, it's it's been good. So it's a little bit of both. Like it's a lot of work. Like it's it's not like we're just sort of you know gallivanting the world and traveling and having fun all the time. Like our our life is actually pretty like scheduled and regimented. Like we'll we'll do the same thing most days. Like wake up, work, get coffee, train, like all those sorts of things. But yeah, um, it's it's a bit of both. A bit of both. Yeah, you can't not go all around the world and take advantage of it. Like it's got to be a bit of both. Yeah, you got to you got to check some places out and and have a look around. You travelled much before, Kayla? Yeah, I've done a fair bit of travel. So I absolutely love travelling, and I'd I'd been to Canada a few times beforehand, and um, you know we're looking to sort of set up camp again, like soon. Um, but yeah, there's not there's not too many places that um, we had been to, like for work, for example, that I hadn't really been to before. Um, but in saying that, like we had a big year planned. We had about almost fifty countries, forty seven. <laughs> uh, sorry, not fifty countries, fifty <laughs> cities. Um, forty seven cities planned for this year before COVID happens. It was literally like a different city every single weekend. So um, unfortunately that's like gone by the wayside, but um, I guess everything happens for a reason. And um, yeah, we can hopefully get back to it once all this sort of passes and things get back to hopefully normal. Uh, But yeah, absolutely love traveling and, you know, can't wait to, for the world to open up again and be able to travel a bit more. I think I'm still in shock. Like it just, (laughs) I'm like, what is happening? (laughs) Yeah. I mean like the first two weeks that um, when we came back from Canada originally and had to isolate in Melbourne, I was like, Oh yeah, like we'll do this two week isolation and everyone will be over it by then. And like things will be back to normal. And what is it like Like, four months later, we're like lockdown 2.0, some countries 3.0, like, Oh, I don't know how long it's going to go on for now. But yeah, it is, it's denial. It's like, is this still happening? Yeah. <laughs> um, can you tell us a little bit about your um, venture into the coaching industry with physio, with personal training and all of that, where that started and where you're at now? Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess I sort of always grew up uh, playing sports. So that's where my um, my passion, I guess, lies for exercise um, after I finished school, I went and did my undergraduate in exercise and sports science at the University of Sydney. <clears throat> and then while I was doing that degree, I um, simultaneously did my uh, personal training certificate while I was studying because apparently if you have a university degree, you can't work as a personal trainer in a gym. You have to have the actual like personal training certificate. So I I did that at the same time. And then I worked as I was finishing my degree um, as a personal trainer um, in some studio gyms, running boot camps and things like that. And then um, from there, I went and did my physio, my master's of physio set at University of Sydney as well. And um, yeah, so I was working as a personal trainer then and and after I sort of finished uni and started going out um, working as a physio in the clinic, um, I did that for about two years and I kind of 
missed the coaching side of things. So, you know, being very clinic based, um, I sort of, the clinic that I worked at was um, a lot of heavy manual therapy hands-on, but there was also like a strength-based component to the rehab, uh, but it was more sort of like machine-based. I wouldn't call it really functional. It was just very like strength machine-based sort of um, training. And then, and then I did, I moved to Melbourne. So after about a year, I moved to Melbourne and I worked at a clinic in Melbourne um, I had a little bit more autonomy there um, in the clinic and, and with my manual therapy, hands-on treatment style. So that sort of helped me develop a bit more as a clinician. And their approach to uh, exercise and training was a little bit more like on the Pilates side of things, which, I mean, I wasn't really sort of on board with that type of training either. So I probably, it was great to sort of learn that side of things and, and take away some, some things from that style of training. But um, I really preferred like the, the free weights um, style based training and, and um, working with how the body moves functionally. So I was sort of able to develop, um, my skills a little bit in that regard. Um, and then after I came back from Melbourne, I worked, um, well, I actually did a small stint over in Japan working um, on the ski on the ski slopes there for three months for yeah, a, yeah, a ski cool. season. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So a lot of snow sports injuries there and I got to snowboard um, talking back about the travel stuff. I got to snowboard um, most days. So that was pretty epic. And when I came back, I, I then um, I then moved into a clinic. Well, it wasn't really a clinic; it was a studio. It was a um, like a studio gym. Um, some people might know it called Base Body Studio. And out of there, I was able to coach. I was able to uh, do my coaching as well as my physio. I had a I had a treatment room there, and I was sort of, you know, left to um, you know work you know, more autonomously um, and then coach the ladies in the group classes, very female specific with the, um, with the weights and the strength based training that um, a lot of people might know base more of like base gym and Australian strength coach. Um, they're sort of two combined businesses. Um, and then after that, um, about midway through last year, I met my partner now, Jordan, and he is a chiropractor um who like my views on training and uh like physio and treatment uh align very much with his and so now i guess the rest is history um yeah. became homeless a few months later and started traveling the world with him uh just <laughs> just working online and and um yeah presenting the seminars until everything sort of fell apart in that regard yeah I like you've done a little bit of everything yeah I feel like I've sort of jumped around a fair bit but I feel like where I am now is sort of where I'm supposed to be and where I sort of felt I was always headed um and yeah everything just sort of you know had to happen um in that way to sort of bring me to where I am now what about in terms of your training were you always sort of geared towards strength-based training or when you started out did you sort of double in other areas or sort of start differently because I feel like everybody sort of has a very different path from where they started to where they end up. I'm really interested to hear where you sort of came from. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess my biggest influence was I started playing soccer at maybe under sixes or under sevens. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so from a very long, uh, young age, I was always sort of playing sports. So growing up, it was, it was soccer. I played that for about 16 years. Um, then I went into playing basketball, touch football, did a bit of netball. Um, and then I, I played um, competitive gridiron for a few years. So you have done yeah. everything. <laughs> yeah so I think sports really sort of shaped um where I am now and and you know the process that I went through to be where I am now so it was always sort of sports from about um maybe 15 or 16 years of age I started at the gym and that was sort of more like classes and you know cardio and you know all that sort of stuff um, but then when I joined um, uh, my second gym, I, I got a personal trainer. I was probably, I think I was maybe in uni when I had my first personal trainer. And um, he was very, very influential and was like, oh, you should be a personal trainer. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I didn't even know I wanted to do physio, to be honest. Um, but yeah, sort of, he sort of helped me with my, um, you know, with my technique and my training and everything like that. So I became more aware of, um, you know, doing more strength-based training. And um, especially when I started, you know, I sort of thought I was strong, like when back then I was like, yeah, like not many girls were like lifting heavy weights at the time. Like it was sort of like a little bit like, I don't want to get bulky, like that whole thing, which I think now a lot of people realize that that's not true but um you know you still sort of get the odd occasional client being like oh i don't want to lift too heavy <laughs> but i think i think especially when i started um playing football like a lot of the girls were quite muscular and you know to not get injured in that sport you need to have a fair amount of muscle on you so I definitely started lifting heavier than um, lifting heavier, eating more and, you know, building some muscle um, to play that game. Um, and then, of course, like with um, the progression to working at base gym, um, like that being very strength based, like super low rep, super heavy, like perfect technique. Um, I was able to, you know, I followed a program from Australian strength coach and I, I was able to get my heaviest lifts that I've ever lifted. So that's sort of the progression of, you know, um, how I sort of came to, you know, be more um, strength based. But in saying that, like in saying being strength based, I, I do coach a lot of girls who come to me and they, they want to run, like they want to, um, they want a running program and they want to um, like they have like a run specific goal or something like that it's not necessarily you know just for cardio and weight loss it's like I want to run a marathon or a half marathon or something like that so having to like know you know the biomechanics of your body and how running works and and I with that program it's not just a running program I give them it's it's also like you know functional strength sort of training to you know help with you know structural balance and like muscle function and and things like that so yeah that's um that's like a brief rundown of like my whole training life or training career 
Um, do a fair few of your clients now have body comp goals or strength goals? Or like you said, is there like an athletic population as well coming to you? Uh, yeah. So at the moment, um, I've sort of got a mix. So I do have, I do have one bikini competitor that I'm um, working with now who's got a lot of um, sort of like functional issues with back pain, knee pain, pelvic floor issues, things like that. Um, so we're sort of getting her back to a baseline of, you know, strength and function because bodybuilding and aesthetic training can be very like quote unquote dysfunctional. But if you sort of like are able to incorporate a lot of, you know, function into the program and, and, you know, working on them with exercise execution and things like that, it can really help with, um, you know, helping them with decreased risk of injury and, and getting on top of those injuries to hopefully um, compete further down the track as well. Um, I have, I have a, like, it's literally a range. Like I have just some general pop clients who just want to sort of, you know, feel better, look better and move well. Um, I have a lady who, until it got cancelled because of COVID, wanted to hike it's a hike, but it's not like it's, it's not Mount Everest, but it's like you, you hike this top of this mountain summit 13 times over 36 hours or something, which is like to mimic um, Everest. And she was getting like back pain. It was very specific back pain. It was at like a, an incline of 30 degrees or greater and like no other pain, like throughout the day or with any other movements or running or anything. So we worked on that as well and we're still working on that and she's got a new goal now of to run a half marathon i think it is in october um yeah i've got um i've got a range like i've got i would love to start working with um some more athletes as well that's sort of my goal is to get into more women's sports um just because i was never good enough to be <laughs> a woman like an athlete like a proper athlete so yeah it'd be awesome to start working with some more um like professional athletes and things like that yeah that's cool um can you tell us a little bit about your course that uh, is launching next week yeah so um my partner jordan is um he runs some online courses in the field of uh biomechanics and because of the whole lockdown situation we sort of had to pivot and move our business more online so he was actually already running um these online um courses but just before like lockdown started but you know having um not being able to be in person, we need to, to sort of move them more online. And because I sort of focus more on female specific training, I really wanted to uh, build a course that was more targeted towards training females, because I do think there is a difference. Um, like there are differences that needed that need to be taken into consideration when training women. And I think, you know, working exclusively with women for two years, I sort of realized that there are certain times of the month that you may need to program differently if someone's not feeling the best. Um, there are certain exercises that may need to be adjusted to, you know, minimize risk of injury um, with different structure um, that females have. Um, and 
there was a lot of, I didn't, I couldn't really find anything like any courses that sort of combined, you know, training females with also like training throughout the lifespan as well. So I did um, a very intensive um, women's health course through my physio degree, which I don't think it's not available to personal trainers. Um, and I haven't really had a look too much into what's out there for personal trainers, but um, I wanted to bring something that was sort of all encompassing with like women's training, you know, training during pregnancy. Cause there's a lot of research out there that, um, or research that's been done that isn't really common knowledge with um, training during pregnancy. And then as well as like postnatal rehab um, and things like that. So I really wanted to bring something that was all encompassing to help not only like, coaches and clinicians but also like general the general population and uh women in general like to sort of know um because i think i think women can kind of get a little bit frustrated as well sometimes with their training and they don't understand why some weeks are worse than the other or they don't understand why you know they're not losing fat the same as a man or um you know they're not as strong one week and things like that. And so, um, yeah, I really just wanted to put something together that was sort of all encompassing and sort of, you know, people could take away and apply. Cause a lot of like the course that I did, I found it was very like theoretical. It was like, you know, this is the research and, and all that, but I wanted to make something that people could sort of apply in their, like coaching their clients or like applying their, their own training or, something that also male coaches could do uh, to help their female clients because a lot of male coaches have many, many female clients. I think like, you know, half or more of the industry is, is females like who get personal training. So something, you know, to help male trainers understand a little bit more about like the things we go through during the month and, and how they can best help them to get them the best results. Yeah. It's so funny you say that. I um, have a client, a female client coached by me and her partner was also being coached by another coach in the team. And we've done a few diet phases over the years together. So she knows how it works for her. We see the same sort of patterns over and over again, but her partner into the dieting phase and it was just like, you know, didn't have to do it. Like just started like being more mindful. <laughs> um, yeah. She was like, what? Like, oh, what is this? And I was like, you know, you know the process for you. This is how it works. Like, Put your partner to the side. <laughs> so annoying. <laughs> um, I remember. I remember at the start of lockdown, like Jordan and I were both like, "Okay, we gotta like rein it in a bit," because like, <laughs> you, you know, he likes like he's a big guy, likes sushi, likes ice cream. So he, you know, just started like he had the help of his, of one of his friends and like every morning he would be like, yeah, I lost another kilo or I lost another yeah. two. Or like, I think over the course of COVID, he lost maybe like six kilos or something like that. And I was like, I'm like the same. I was like, come on. <laughs> like, I was like, shush, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> and that's I was like, <laughs> yeah. Cause um, like uh, the, my client, tiny like 60 kilos her partner is 100 over 100 like it's gonna be yeah even in that like <laughs> yeah yeah 
Yeah, for sure. And I was like, you know, I was being good. Like I was, you know, sticking to everything and, and doing it. And like body composition definitely changed, but, um, and I lost a few kilos, but yeah, it was just like, like the difference was. Yeah. And I do see women, they do get disheartened with that. They're like, hang on a second. Why is my partner, you know, six pack after two weeks of just, you know, not, not eating after like 10 p.m. Not eating like an idiot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's sort of, it's, I think there's a bit of managing that, their, you know, expectations and um, just I, like, like what you say, that the data won't always be linear, especially with a female things, um, you know, with water retention or whatnot. Um, when we're tracking things like scale weight and centimeters, just because they've gone up, say, you know, the week before your period or the week of, it, it's not an indication of you're going backwards. Um, so I think it's really important to speak to them because so many women don't know. They're like, I didn't know I retained water at this time of the month. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's so many things. And it's so complex because, like, not only is, like, I mean, we say, like, a normal cycle is, like, 28 days, but really, like, who has a 28-day cycle? And it's going to differ from woman to woman. And it's also going to differ, like, between this, on this, in the same woman from month to month. So it's just about, like, it's about education. It's also about, like, tracking and, and, you know, following the process and things like that. And just knowing that, like, like, from an evolutionary standpoint, like, women need a bit of body fat to be able to reproduce as well and we need like we need to have more body fat naturally than men and our body fat distribution is different um, because during pregnancy um our our like thigh fat stores that's where most of the energy comes from to support a baby so like if you're putting on um like fat on there that's like it's like your body is preparing you to have this baby and um you know, we see in social media as well a lot these days, there's a lot of pressure because there's a lot of like, you know, there's a lot of like fitness influences and, you know, really ripped and shredded bikini models um, and things like that out there, which like, it's not a bad thing. It's just like, it's just, that's their choice. Like they're choosing to make that lifestyle choice and there are certain things that they have to do and they have to go through to look like that. And they may have to sacrifice certain things as well. Like they may have to sacrifice um, a normal period, for example. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's, it can be seen as healthy, but sometimes it's not necessarily healthy. Like it is healthy for women to have a bit of body fat. And I think we need to normalize that a little bit more these days as well, um, because there are, so many like issues with females losing their period and things like that or you know having um certain conditions like pcos and and things like that that might be lifestyle related so yeah i think it's important to like open the conversation around you know what is normal even though there's sort of not really a normal if you yeah. know what i mean i think yeah. you really hit the nail on the head when you say that it's just about education and i guess awareness and it can be really hard for us as coaches or even just individuals who might know a little bit about this stuff then to speak to your gen pop client who actually has no understanding 
that this is the way things work. Um, I had a conversation with a client this morning who was messaging me yesterday throughout her training session. And she was like, I am dying. Like, I, I don't know what's going on. Like she sent me a photo of her head and it was just a bright red. Like she was like, I can't do this. I'm like, okay. So I saw her this morning and she's like, I'm really struggling. Like what's going on? And I was like, are you due for your period anytime soon? And she's like, yeah, I'm due next week. And I was like, dude, <laughs> I was like, that's yeah. what you tell me. Like, it's cool. Just chill. And I think it's just about, um, and she was like, oh, really? Like, I didn't know that. And I was like, yeah, dude, like we've had this conversation before. Um, this is the way things work. Like, just don't be so unrealistic with your expectations of yourself. Just knowing where you are in your cycle and like what your training week looks like for you. Um, based on that so I guess like let's go there how do you sort of manage women's um, their cycle and I guess their training program and how do you sort of go about that because yeah I guess women don't seem to understand it themselves and it's really important for us as coaches I guess just to have that awareness about how to manage that time yeah I think the biggest thing is and I think it's becoming more or less of a taboo subject these days where um, we're able to have these conversations with our clients um, and you know like you said like bringing more awareness around it so I think the first step is to just start tracking just start tracking and noticing the changes and the differences and the patterns because not every woman is going to experience symptoms like some might be completely fine to train the same all the way through um and some you know might suffer from things like you know really severe pms or um, pmdd where it's just like debilitating like the week before or like at the very start of their period so in those cases like it's just about and i say this a lot like um to male coaches because like you know sometimes they just want to find a fix like they just want to be like okay well like you know maybe if we do this or this or this where it's like sometimes just like just like empathize like just sort of be like okay like it's fine like we know you're getting a period next week you know this is normal for you to sort of feel like this like this this and this is happening in the body like you know progesterone is going up your body your core body temperature is growing up fatigability is going up during this time and you know, you might struggle a little bit, you might feel tired, you might feel moody, um, you might feel hungry if they're dieting because me metabolic rate is going up a little bit in that time as well. And so um, therefore like maybe giving them a little bit of extra calories or um, will help with adherence or even like if they can keep their calories the same, it's gonna help them, you know, with their weight loss rather than just going and binging um, and just sort of you know we start like I think we're our own worst enemies I think we all struggle with just being kind to ourselves and just like being like okay like it's fine like this week I might just take it a bit easy I might lighten the load and uh, do a few more reps or I might just go for a walk instead or something like that just something that's um, you know gonna help them not feel like they're being a failure because I think like that's the biggest thing is like okay, I had like a shit training session like it's all ruined <laughs> like yeah, we're very emotional creatures so I think um you know just keeping a level head and like just supporting them during that time being like you know if the scale weight goes up like you know let's not measure let's not measure like 
during that week, let's measure like, you know, week one of the period and, and, um, or like week two and then, and then compare it to week two of another month and, and see progress that way rather than seeing like these, um, these ups and downs all the time. I think those are the biggest things to help like support a woman, a woman during that time and, um, you know, helping her, helping her become more aware. Like I definitely think education is the biggest, the biggest point there. Cause you know, you can sell like all these things and like pull the wool over someone's eyes. But like, if you want to retain a client, then, then that's how you do it. Like you just show your support and you show that you actually care. I think it's critical, especially in maybe say the first three to six months of a new client who's potentially even new to training. Um, and just, I think the tracking, like you said, helps a lot because then they can draw their own connections and they can see that you're not just shit talking them. Um, mm. they can, they can start to understand it. So it's like education, um, combined with the tracking. And then, like you said, also that empathy and the person starts to, starts to know, okay, I can probably expect this, like maybe, and, I, you know, Nat and I, we tend to attract sort of like type A females who have such high expectations of themselves. So, so much of our coaching is literally talking people down from the ledge, like on, you know, that week of the month um, yeah. and just managing their expectations. And then I think after a few months through it, they're like, oh, okay. Like things settle down. I feel better. It's okay if I can't pick up this bar that I could last week. I kind of know why it's probably because of these reasons. Um, look after myself, get enough sleep, enough water. If I feel like going for a walk today, fuck it, it's fine. Like you say, all my progress isn't going to be lost. I can do this. And I think, yeah, it's really important to have a supportive coach who's not just like, shut the fuck up, stop being a pussy and lift the thing. Yeah. And, you, know, you hear of commando trainers who are like, I don't care, do what you need to do. And it's like, you know, there's such a fine line between making sure you're really assisting a client to maximize their potential and actually knowing when to say, hey, 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 like, let's just turn the doll down for a second. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think that, you know, for like us as women to really thrive, like we, we, we want to be nurtured. Like sometimes that, like there is, there are probably times where it's like, okay, shut up and like do it but then there are probably times where you know like you know when she's when that week before if she's um and this is like for guys like listening to this with girlfriends it's like that week before if she's like moody or irritable or something like that it's just like just be nice to her like literally like that's all she wants like she's not going to go off at you if you're just like super caring and supportive about it like you you don't need to sort of like fix things. Um, yeah, I definitely think that um, it's it's important to, especially like in the business we're in, like we're, like we're personal trainers, like it's personal. So creating relationships is, is super important with your clients. It's not like, like you can't sort of treat one person the same as you treat another person. It's like reading that person and seeing how they respond to like different cues or different uh, strategies for motivating them or, um, you know, helping them build consistency and habits and things like that and finding out like what works best for them, whether they 
prefer like a set meal plan or they prefer to be more flexible and just know their macros and, and count that way or if they don't even want to track and count at all like you know finding out how best they work and how best they train um and what sort of like lifestyle things you can change for them that's really going to help in the long run because like you know you don't want to have to go out and find a new client every month or two or whatever like it's you're going to have it's going to make your job as a coach much more easier if you're just able to have like that tight-knit crew uh, that you love seeing you love training with every week or every day or however many times a week um, that just stay with you and are loyal for you and and you know you have you like over years you're able to really make a difference because you know, there are like, you can do like eight week transformations and eight week challenges, but then like the next time that that comes along, you have to get a whole new group yeah. of different people. Yeah. So yeah, I really, like, I really love the personal side of like one-on-one -on -one coaching and, and even being in person is, some, is something that I really miss as well, like traveling around and moving around so much. So yeah, it's awesome to, um, to be able to like make such a change for people. Yeah. And I think as well, there's that like trust and relationships so that women feel comfortable talking to you about their periods and what's going on emotionally for them. Um, and even, you know, I've had clients switching pills and stuff. Um, and sometimes they may neglect to say, cause you know, they don't believe it's important. So it's like a conversation straight away with new clients. Like this is something I would, you know, it's important and I'd like to know. So just fill me in on what's going on. Like, you don't have to tell me everything that's happening in your personal life, but if there's yeah. going on or off, it, it's, you know, it can affect the data and how we, how we do things and how you feel. So I think building that close relationship where they feel comfortable saying, Hey, you know, I'm feeling off because of this reason or, you know, for whatever reason, I'm deciding to go off the pill that I was on and, um, something like I've had with my coach who's a male who um, has been amazing like from day dot was like you know this is important I need to know so we'll just have a conversation about it and it's something I'll mention in my check-in when I need to and I feel totally comfortable speaking to him about that so I think even if there are male coaches listening it's like just yeah get in there off the bat be cool <laughs> yeah I definitely think the conversation is opening up with a lot of male coaches like I've been on a couple of podcasts with um, males who are happy to openly speak about this and like have me on and have me speak about this um, and I've got probably we've got about 10 or so guys in the course as well which is awesome like um, 10 male trainers just looking to learn more about it because you know they they can read the research and they can like you know interpret it however they sort of see fit but also like they don't have that personal experience because they're not a female so it's like it's like letting them like seeing them want to learn more and want to know more is just like awesome like I think it's so good and and opening that conversation and and in saying that someone said to me the other day like we really need something like this because I heard one of my I think it was like a gym owner or uh, one of the um one of the managers said I heard one of the personal trainers asking their 75 year old female client if her cycle was regular <laughs> <laughs> and I was like <laughs> 
Okay, like this discussion needs to be had. Like there's still so much to learn, but it's awesome that the conversation is becoming less taboo and becoming less to, taboo uh, with males. But in saying that, like it's it's something that females are probably going to be more comfortable opening up to a, another female trainer about their period. Whereas, you know, if a guy goes in and goes like, tell me all about your period, it's kind of, it might be a bit weird and it might be a bit like, eh. so I, um, I was speaking to a, a male trainer the other day and he was like, I didn't ask her straight away. Like I just started to notice differences and patterns and make my own notes and, and, sort of find out what was going off there before he sort of started broaching it, it with her. And then, you know, she would sort of feel like once they created a bit more of a relationship and she felt a bit more comfortable to speak to him about it, whether she came to him first and opened up to him about it or whether he, um, he opened up to her about it and, and just maybe asked something, then, um, then that I thought was a really um, a good approach that he took was to just, you know, just notice patterns and, and ask the questions like, like, how are you? Like, are you, you know, are you hungry this week? Are you tired? Are you irritable? Like, how are you feeling this week? Um, I think is rather than like, what's your period like? It's like, like asking those questions and, and having like that tactful approach um, to it is probably like one of the biggest, I guess, pieces of advice I'd just give to male trainers in that regard with that, but awesome that, you know, the subject is, is being brought up more. Yeah. I guess that comes back to having an understanding of your client as well. So I know with most of my girls, I can look at their check-in before I even reading that they're going to tell me that they're due for their period or that they're on their period and just know that the data is sort of indicating that anyway. So it's like, if they have this understanding of, you know, what goes on and can kind of piece things together for themselves, then it just makes that process a whole lot easier um, without having to be too invasive, especially if it's a newer client, someone that you maybe don't have that relationship with yet, you know, to be able to have that conversation. In particular, if you're a male and you feel a little bit uncomfortable about it, then I guess having that understanding and then seeing the data and just being able to like make those connections themselves um, and yeah, just making that process like a whole lot less awkward and uncomfortable because yeah, I reckon yeah. definitely feel that. <laughs> Cause you know, when you go to a doctor and you sense that the doctor is kind of nervous about yeah. asking <laughs> questions, you, you feel like, you feel like. I don't want to talk uh, about this. <laughs> yeah. But like if the doctor's like super chill and they're just yeah. like, confident and and like you know just asking you these questions you're just like oh yeah like whatever but yeah it's kind of like that I guess like they can sort of sense if you're nervous and if you're like a little bit awkward about it so yeah in that regard yeah looking at um looking at the data and and just noticing patterns is is probably the best way to go about until you sort of feel a little bit more comfortable broaching the subject yeah in terms of specific, um, and we'll start with training considerations first around the menstrual cycle, you know, throughout the month, is there anything that you've... A few days after bleeding starts, you sort of start to feel like a little bit better as those hormones um, drop super low. And then, um, you know, sort of like mid what we call the follicular phase, we start to see a, um, a rise in estrogen. <clears throat> um, there's just, there's like chemical signals being sent to the brain to release these hormones um 
to sort of mature the egg in the ovary. And um, this is going to see like just before ovulation, we see like a, a massive surge in estrogen. And during this time, we probably feel like a little bit more energetic and more uh, lively and things like that. And that's, I guess, is sort of like, you know, look, look out partner, like look out for my partner. Like, you know, I'm feeling good. Like, you know, and that's like, you know, you're, you're fertile then, like you're, you're about to become super fertile. So um, all these sort of signs and signals that ovulation is about to occur. Um, so training sort of seems to be, you know, increased at that time. So you might feel like super strong, super energetic, but in saying that, um, and you know, the research is a bit um, like there's a lot of research to say that with the increase in estrogen, there is an increased risk of injury as well. So it's kind of like being careful around that time that you're not going to injure yourself. And especially women, we have a huge, um, huge risk of like knee injuries because we already sort of have like this inward trajectory of our knee called like a valgus knee. And, you know, if say, um, you know, we're, we're not thinking or like, you know, we let that knee come in or, um, you know, we turn a certain way if we're playing sport, um, you know, there's, there's like the estrogen is sort of affecting the way that um, the hamstrings are able to support the knee and um, the ligaments become a little bit more lax, like in preparing for um, the body to prepare for a baby if we were to have one. So just being careful around that time, like around ovulation, um, with injuries in especially knees. Um, and then we enter the luteal phase after ovulation. So after the egg has been released. Um, and this is sort of where we see, um, you see a drop in estrogen, but we also see like a rise in progesterone and then estrogen sort of starts to rise again, a little bit more towards the middle of um, the luteal phase. So sort of starting to feel a little bit, um, you know, sluggish, like emotionally up and down because these crisscrossing of hormones and lots of things going on. Um, yeah. So with the, with the progesterone, that's when your core body temperature will start to rise a bit. And that's when metabolism will start to rise a little bit as well. Um, so, you know, it's, if you're, if you're training in like hot and humid conditions, it can be um, a little bit challenging because you're already sort of a little bit warmer in your um your body temperature and and um cardiac outputs increase and you you sort of fatigue a little bit quicker so those are sort of like the physiological signs um or symptoms that you'll sort of have um throughout that sort of training cycle um and i say cycle because like it's never really like a month like you know they say you know menstruation is day one and then day 14 is ovulation and then you know, whatever, but it's like, you know, your, you know, your follicular phase might be longer than 14 days. It might be shorter. You know, your luteal phase might be longer or shorter. It's just, it's just about finding where you are and like what, um, what sort of symptoms you're experiencing as well. Cause then there's like a whole range of like menstrual cycle, like dysfunctions, which, you know, the hormones are doing different things and, you know, you can find out, like you might find out a lot of, um, a lot of information. If you don't feel too different, you might be having, you know, you might be having bleeds, but you might not be ovulating or, um, you know, you might not be 
releasing enough of a certain hormone to be able to, you know, hold on to a baby if you were to get pregnant. So yeah, it can tell you a lot. It can really tell you a lot um, without having to go and do blood tests and things like that, which, you know, can get, can get funny as well. And like, this is where the research is a little bit like unsure because researching what's actually happening at certain points of the cycle is so hard because getting a woman at a certain time, like getting her into a lab and testing her, like if she's like, okay, I've got my period this day, it's like, well, it's going to take two days to one or two days to get her into the lab. Or if it's like, you know, oh, I'm like, it feels like I'm ovulating, but you're not actually sure whether that's the peak that's going to be her peak or whether, you know, it's going to be in a few days. So it's like, you know, if you get her sort of on the downward curve and, and test, want to test her, her hormone levels, it's just, it's really, really hard to get exact measures as well. So there's still a lot to be um, done in, in terms of research. And there's also, um, you know, there's, there's a lot, it's going in, it's trending in the right direction. Like a lot of the previous studies were just done on men and, you know, this is the way we need to train, but yeah, it's, it's trending in the right direction, but there still needs to be a lot of work um, done in saying like all those things and, and having all those, you know, um, symptoms and consequences and adjustments to training throughout the month or throughout the cycle. At least in terms of the training session itself, we use uh, RIR with with all of our guys, females and males, which we find works really well. So they can auto-regulate the sessions, mm-hmm. um, especially around, yeah, for those women who really struggle the week before or during. Uh, and it's just sort of just talking to them about why we're using this and if they don't feel like, you know, getting under 100 kilos, which, you know, they think that they should do this week, it's like, like you said before, they're not a complete failure, you know, let's go off RIR instead and leave it where it is. And it's not a totally failed session or you don't have to just totally not rock up because you're not going to get the weight. It's just an understanding of auto-regulation and managing that through the sessions to make it productive and fun. Yeah, I I think that's great. Like I think um, using reps in reserve is a great way to, um, yeah, auto-regulate a session, like you said, um, because they're able to determine, you know, what they think they're able to do that day. And and that's also going to um, not only, you know, help them not feel like a failure if they don't hit their reps or they don't hit, you know, as many sets as they were supposed to do, but um, it's also going to... Um, help I guess um help them feel like they are actually like they're still progressing like they're still they're still hitting their session like they're not completely throwing it out and yeah I think it's it's super important for them to be able to auto-regulate their session based off how they're feeling and and also help in avoiding injury as well because like if there's say 10 reps programmed and you know that technique is looking a little bit dodgy at rep a it's like well maybe we stop it there and not you know hurt like hurt our clients or hurt like help them hurt themselves yeah it's huge 
Um, a question that I get uh, a lot, which I, I love to ask you, do you, do you ever get like, how do I manage cravings? How do I manage this? I just need to go to the pantry and eat like 10 boxes of chocolate and, um, you know, deal with my mood that way. Cause I, I often get like, my cravings are so strong and I know my own experience, luckily like touch wood, I don't really get bad cravings, but it's from a lot of the women I coach, it sounds fucking mental. Yeah. So I'm just wondering, you know, what do you say when you get those sorts of um, questions? Look, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think there's one answer for anyone really. I don't think it's just one thing. I don't think that you can really blame hormones for like just having that crazy binge. I think there's probably something a little bit deeper going on with like emotional eating habits and things like that as well. So that's like a really tricky subject. Um, basically if um i think the best way is like again like tracking and um and maybe even if they do have a plan or they do have like certain macros to hit it's just like maybe programming a little bit more during the time where they feel like their cravings are up um i think it's better to you know have a planned um a plans like increasing calories so they like mentally know that they they're going to be able to have something rather than this like restrict binge sort of um, mentality because like yeah like the hormones will play a part but it's also like a little bit psychological and i think when people start to develop good eating habits like when they start to um you know be consistent and regulate um you know what they're sort of eating you find that you don't really have as many cravings like anyway, like I, like when I'm planning like a meal plan, I always ask my clients, like, what's your, like, what's your vice? Like, what do you love? And I'll give them like, I'll give them that a little bit each day, like for dessert or whatever. So they know they have that at the end of the day. Like I myself, like, you know, I'll have, like ice cream or chocolate, like at the end of the day and like make it fit. Cause it's like, you know, like if your diet is like 80%, like whole healthy food, you can have a little treat and it just, it helps with adherence. Like, and when that, when that happens, like, I think it's not just going to happen once. Like, you know, you start to notice the trend and then you start to like try and break the habit and then like remake new habits. So it's like, you know, when you feel like you're going to go have a crazy binge, like, you know, go and journal and write down like what you're feeling or, and like have, have those things that, you know, they can have, like they're allowed to have, you know, like we like in speaking about like the menstrual cycle and the luteal phase, like we preferentially utilized fat, not to say that like we're burning more fat during that phase, just to say we utilize more fat so add a little bit more fat into the diet so they're sort of like they're using what they're eating um which is like chocolate like dark chocolate like it's a little bit of fat so yeah i think i think it's a balance between you know giving them an, an allowance like not letting them sort of run with like untracked crazy like binges it's just like like chocolate is fine like you can have it it's not a forbidden food like ice cream is fine it's not a forbidden food like it's not like your whole diet is that 
unless you go and have a binge and then it's like a whole day's worth of um, chocolate in one binge. But yeah, just like breaking it up over the week and like allowing them to have that and realizing it's like not a forbidden food and it's okay to sort of crave it a bit more like during certain times and to have a little bit more um, during certain times. So it's a tricky one. Um, and I think it's something that is constantly needing to be sort of addressed. But you know, if, if someone tells me, you know, I want my clients to feel comfortable with me. So if they, they tell me like they've gone and had like a crazy pig out or whatever, I'm just like, okay, like it's okay. Let's just get back on the bandwagon tomorrow. Like let's just try again tomorrow. Like we'll, um, you know, we'll try our best again next time and like try and put in like strategies, I guess, to sort of help like break the habit of doing that and I think it's just going to take time really it's never gonna be like you wake up one day and you know you're just like oh, I don't feel like chocolate and ice cream like, yeah that's a crazy that's a crazy person <laughs> I think what you said is huge just in terms of like that forbidden fruit mentality and consistency over time so it's yeah. like under you know educating our clients like no good foods no bad foods whatnot you know mostly whole foods fun foods are fine um, and then just, I think that that, especially after potentially years, like 20, 30, 40 years of being told like, don't eat this. Mm. <laughs> um, uh, I think, yeah, it can really hit home, but I think it's like you said, it's that consistency over time and just managing things. And if, if they need to have a little bit more food, like that preemptive or that planning, I think that's a really good strategy to use as well. Yeah. I think a lot of women, especially like are surprised when I, do their nutrition programs for them and they're like this is a lot of food and I was like well like if you're restricting all through the week and then you go on like binge on like high fatty foods because you've been restricting the whole time then like that's it's if you keep doing that over and over like and nothing changes then something needs to change and just like allowing them to have a little bit more food and and like you know just changing like the, the ratios and the macros and things like that and is just going to change their body composition and just you know giving them more high volume foods so they feel more satiated and and things like that I think is just important and then they they'll start to realize like they feel better and I think when you feel better you like you feel better about yourself you want to take care of yourself better I think it's like like you know like you can get into a down spiral where you're just like fuck it fuck it fuck it fuck it but then like, there's always like the upward spiral where it's like, you know, I feel good. I'm going to make a good choice. Um, you know, I'm going to hit, you know, my targets and I'm going to, you know, hit my training session. You know, I had a good training session today, yesterday, you know, I had a good training session this week. Maybe I'll reward myself with like, you know, a nice meal out, like controlled, not like over gorging, like, you know, might have a little bit of a dessert afterwards, just like fitting it into the lifestyle. Cause I think that's what people, the majority of people really want. Like they don't want to necessarily go through the sacrifice that you have to go through to look like a fitness competitor, like stage, yeah. stage lean. Like it's just about lifestyle. It's just about feeling good, looking good, and then being able to eat the things they love and like go out and do the things they love and, and not, feel restricted in any way so yeah I think it's just super important to find that that sort of balance as well um and and managing managing other 
lifestyle factors as well, I think is super important. Um, I think sleep and, um, and stress are two big ones that are going to contribute to overeating as well. Like if you're super, if you're lacking sleep, you're going to feel like you're lacking energy and you're going to be tired and you're going to be like, okay, well, what's going to give me energy like food. Mm -hmm. So then you start eating, eating lots of food and, um, and then stress as well. Like it's just another, like it's kind of like an outlet, I suppose. So implementing strategies to help with like managing sleep and stress are super important. Um, for managing like cravings and and binges and things like that yeah yeah you sort of touched on it before um when you're sort of talking about managing we can manage the diet through all of these um you know ways of introducing more food and all of those things but at the end of the day i think in particular when we do for our period it's an emotional time and there's such a huge psychological element of you know over consuming to that as well and like i think it throws off my clients when the check-in response isn't you know do this with your nutrition or do that it's like hey sit down and i want you to think about why do you why are you feeling the way you're feeling this week like you know like you said journal out your emotions like what's going on and if we can just like unpack that a little bit and have a bit of an understanding as to what's going on psychologically, and I think it gets missed so much, and just understanding that we are emotional people, like yeah. we're emotional, we know that, and just being aware of that and not sort of having this tunnel vision that if we just tick all the boxes in terms of our training and our nutrition, that everything else is going to fall into line because there's actually quite a bit of work that's got to go on behind the scenes to manage all of your emotions from a psychological standpoint. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. It's a big one. <laughs> yeah. That awareness, hey, is just huge. Just taking like a second to breathe and think like, how am I feeling? Like what's going on for me? You know? Um, and then, you know, what mechanisms do I have in place to manage that, that don't involve the cupboard? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Went for a walk. Yeah. <laughs> um, don't buy it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, on this topic, um, we've probably covered a little bit, but misconceptions around nutrition that you typically see from female clients? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it comes back to thinking that, you know, the less you eat, the better. Um, from an evolutionary standpoint, um, and, you know, like dieting, like all these sort of fad diets, I think, if people are still doing them, I think that's a little bit crazy because, you know, there's so much information out there these days on this as well. But like, for example, from an evolutionary standpoint, and I found this interesting when I read this, it was, you know, through times of famine, men became really lean because they needed to be fast to go out and kill and, and grab food and, and all that sort of thing. Whereas like women, during times of fasting, it was like, I need to hold on to body fat because, you know, I need to reproduce and I need to have a certain amount of body fat to reproduce. So, you know, things like that, just looking at things like that and, and, you know, people doing like these fastings because of all these health and research is like, is the research done on men or is it done on women? Like, I'm not too sure, but I just found that was super interesting um, as well. And like, and yeah, just the whole like restricting thing, I think is, is something that's like, I don't know, like, 
I just, I just feel like your body needs to be fueled for performance and, and, you know, you need to, you need to give it what it wants to like, to be able to grow and to function and to be healthy. Um, and I think, you know, women just, they think that they need to diet all the time. It's like just sit at maintenance for a bit. Like I always start my new clients out on maintenance because it's like, what is your maintenance? Like we don't know right now because, you know, there's so many things at play and, and, you know, if they've given themselves intolerances or, um, you know, certain conditions, for example, like, you know, maybe their metabolism is a little bit shot from restricting calories for a while and, and um yeah certain things like that is just is something that i think we need to work on like we don't always need to be dieting like it is okay to stay at maintenance for a bit and just become more consistent with maintenance you know feel good like smash your training sessions um and you know you may even see body composition changes with just doing that weight on the scale won't change because it's maintenance but like if you're you know, you might become, you might be increasing your lean muscle or you might be like losing a bit of body fat and, and you know, that's a win. Like, yeah, that's probably. Yeah. We're definitely on the same page. We just recorded out like our first podcast, that topic, everything you just said. Oh, yeah. Perfect. <laughs> I'm glad. Yeah. 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 Um, but the coolest thing I think is when you've had someone who's been restricting for, you know, years or trying to attempting to diet every month of the year and then you get them at maintenance for a period of time and they're like, fuck, I feel good. Like my kids don't hate me anymore. Like my husband has noticed my energy and it's just so heartfelt when they say that they have noticed just their day-to-day life feels yeah. better. Um, it's bloody huge. <laughs> That's why we do this. We're changing people's quality of life. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. So Anything in terms of training, uh, benefits of strength training for women compared to, say, the typical, you know, cardio bunny to get lean or whatever, um, can you run through, I guess, the benefits of strength training that women might not be aware of for, like, body composition, even mental health, all those sorts of things? Yeah, I mean, like, I guess the biggest one would be increasing your lean muscle mass because, you know, when you have more lean muscle, you have more active tissue and it's going to help, um, it's going to be beneficial for metabolism as well. So, you know, eating more is always a good thing. Um, always love that. Uh, who doesn't? <laughs> um, yeah, as well as, like, I think... Um, managing injury risk as well is super important you know strong muscles strong body strong skeleton so like obviously like our muscles attached to our bones and you know if we increase the resistance of our muscles our muscles are going to pull more in our bones and <clears throat> it's going to cause like this bone remodeling which is going to you know help with our bone mineral density and that's going to help not only you know in our younger years, but also, you know, as we start to age as well, because once we hit menopause and all our hormones like effectively drop to zero, you know, um, estrogen has a massive, um, you know, anti, uh, anti-catabolic effect. So it's, it, it helps retain muscle and it helps with, um, like protein synthesis and, and, keeping your sort of lean muscle mass so you know once you hit menopause and that sort of goes it's a lot harder to build muscle and to retain muscle it's definitely possible but um 
you know, if that sort of drops, then um, you're looking at like decreasing bone uh, mineral density, you know, sarcopenia, so loss of muscle mass, loss of, um, you know, uh, bone, bone density, so potential risk for um, osteoporosis, um, arthritis and things like that. So, um, yeah, I think those are the biggest ones. And then, you know, maintaining a healthy weight, of course, we know, we all know the benefits of, of exercise and, um, and resistance training on uh, body composition and not only body composition, but I think, I think confidence as well. I think strength training sort of, and, and training in general, like having a structured program sort of puts you in a great mindset for life in general. Like, you know, you have a heavy barbell and you, you know, squat down with it. You have to get back up. Like you have to find a way to get back up. It's like life, life knocks you down. Then like, you just get back up, right? Like you get back on the horse. So, I definitely attribute a lot of my mindset stuff to um, to training, and um, a lot of people like. I find that a lot of people say, you know, like get your mindset right, and then you can get your training right. And it's like, well, no, like go train, like move your body, and like that will help, you know, go across into your mindset, and that will, um, you know, if if you're able to stick to like that that training schedule, like. I don't know, like training is my meditation. I find it hard to meditate, um, you know, like I, it's it's a practice, but like practicing going to your training sessions um, and getting your training sessions in, I think is just as important and uh, great for your mind. Like is you have so much like headphones in, like focusing on what you're doing, like awareness, um, body awareness, and then, you know, having time to think as well. Like, it's just like you're in your own head and you're like working things out, I think is like, yeah, like just awesome for your mental health. Like I couldn't, I don't think, I don't think, I don't know what I would do if I couldn't train. Like I would just be so depressed, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah, Sanity would suffer a thousand. I think um, we talk a lot about instant gratification. It's really cool to hear you talk about, I guess, the longer term, benefits of strength training i think that gets missed because you know most people are concerned about what they look like right now or what their training performance is right now so i think having that longer term mindset and thinking well one day 20 years from now like there's other things that are going to be important to me outside of what i look like when i'm 25 years old so i think it's really cool just to sort of touch on that and just bring that to light a little bit yeah, it's definitely um, it's definitely an important aspect of training, and I want to be seventy five and like still lifting weights. Like I think that'd be sick. <laughs> I love that. Uh, last question for you, Kayla. Anything you've changed your mind about or approached differently than when you first started coaching? Um. Yeah, I. I think that um, probably the one of the biggest things that I've trained since coaching, like, and even since university studies as well, like we were t- taught certain things at uni and sometimes it doesn't really, like it doesn't really add up or it doesn't really make sense, but you don't really question it because at the time, because it's like, well, you know, they're the lecturer, they're the professor, like they obviously know what they're talking about. Um, 
And so one of the biggest things I think that I've changed is, is my look on like glute activations. So, um, you know, you see a lot of people putting bands around their, their legs and like doing their sort of like abductions and like working like the action of the glute med, which is like abduction and, and um, working sort of that, that insertion to origin sort of strength principle which is like it's smart like we get told we have weak weak glutes you know so we want to strengthen it so we we put some resistance around it and we do the action of the muscle it's how we train its strength but glute med glute men don't necessarily need to be strong they need to be stable their role is to stabilize our pelvis when we walk like that's how that's how they work when we're sort of walking and that's what we do most of the day to day so um yeah, I think for glute activations, like it's already active because you're standing and you're walking. It's just like stand on one leg and balance. Like that is what the gluteness do to stabilize our pelvis. So I think that's one of the biggest things that I've changed um, in my coaching and my rehab as well. Um, when I work with clients who have injuries and, you know, hip problems, back problems, um, knee problems, for even like feet problems um, is just looking at, you know, how the glute functions, how the body more functions rather than its action. So like, you know, there are certain times where you need to use both. Like for example, when you're building aesthetics, you, you work on action, but a lot of it can be dysfunctional, um, just training the actions of muscles. So integrating some of the function uh, with programming, as well as like the actions to build, like to work on hypertrophy is probably one of the biggest things I've changed and, and how I've looked at the body differently. Yeah, cool. I, um, I saw your story about that the other day on the IG. I didn't say that. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> so good. Yeah. And oh, even thanks. the videos, the swap this for this videos, it's like, oh, you, it's know, so good. Yeah. you know, generic version of an exercise that you see completed everyone does it in the gym and it's like, well, why don't we do it this way for this purpose? Um, super interesting. Yeah. 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 I like taking more of a sort of um, like a diplomatic approach to like, rather than calling someone out for doing something silly or wrong. Um, it's just like, well, how can we provide a better solution um, rather than just being like, you're wrong. And like, cause some people just don't know different. Like, like, as I said before, like I used to, you know, do these banded glute activations and things like that. And that's what we were taught. And that's what we sort of knew. But when you sort of like question things and sort of like think about why we're doing it, I think is super important. Like if, if someone asks you why you've programmed a certain exercise and you can't give them a good answer, it's like, well, maybe it shouldn't be there. It's a much more empowering way, I guess, of approaching the things that we see that maybe, like you say, either the person doesn't know or, you know, maybe we're thinking about it in a different way. And it's like, you know, I've had a couple of clients on the gym floor and I'm like, follow Kaylee, Kayla Lee because she's, you know, has these awesome like swap this videos and, and a detailed explanation as to why, um, which I think is much better than potentially just providing like a, this is a lower body day with like no explanation as to where it might be useful and the purposes of including certain things and not. So yes, yeah, really helpful. <laughs> Thanks. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad like I'm not crazy. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, 
Well, thank you so much for jumping on the podcast with us today. Um, in terms of where we can find you, where do you hang out most? Um, mostly Instagram, I guess, these days where things are going. So um, at Kaylily Physio uh, is my Instagram handle and that's probably the best place to get in touch. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much for that. Um, Nat, you can find her at Nat Jurek STC Fit on Insta. Yep. And I'm Amy Louise STC. She got it right. <laughs> yeah, I'd never get it wrong. All right, guys. Thank you so much.